0: What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? You are tuned into the newest, latest, and greatest addition to the Punch List MMA podcast. I'm co-host Dale Lippin in here with the guy who thought half Windsor was a jujitsu move, Trey Van Buster. What's up, man?
1: <laughs> if you're watching this on YouTube, Dale is is totally crushing me right now because the way that I tied my tie, which I've done since freaking middle school, and has gotten me through middle school pr- proms or cotillions, whatever you call them. It got me through college. It got me through at least a couple job interviews. It's uh, It seems like it's it's done its due diligence. So,
0: Listen, man, if you can be as successful as you are rocking that half Windsor, maybe I'm doing something wrong because I know like 11 different ways to tie a tie. And uh, I, you know, yeah, so good for you, man, if you rock that half Windsor, bro. <laughs>
1: The best way to describe it, it's kind of like that whole fad with the bedhead hair. It's like you didn't really you make it look like you didn't try, but you really tried. That's my half Windsor. I actually really fucking tried. That's the problem. I
0: just my problem with your half Windsor looks like somebody tried like to attempt a collar choke with you <laughs> using <laughs> <laughs> like whenever like they have the videos, like never get into a fight with a tie on. Like your tie looks like yeah. the end of that video. Whenever they're showing why you shouldn't fight with a tie on.
1: Oh, you could blow on the bottom lapel thing right here, and it would choke me to death. It's already too tight. It's already too tight. (laughs)
0: Uh, So let's get into it, dude. Dana White, 99.9% secure. Khabib versus Tony Ferguson. A location has been found. What do you think? Where is it going to be?
1: I mean, the only place it could be is the Apex, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's... Yeah, I think that's where it is. There's, if you looked at what Dana White or what the uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission said, they said that there's a, the the hold period I believe is till the first week of April, and then they have about a two week uh, revision or they'll take another look. See, in that two week period, that's where that April 18th date falls, which you know is the quote unquote loophole, which could happen at the Apex. You know, it has all the employees there. Uh, They want to have minimal people there. Dana White said he only wants people that want to be there on their own merit. He's not forcing any of his employees. Apex seems like where it's going to be.
0: Do you think that? Do you think that he'd take a gamble like that? What if things don't shake out the way they're going? They're you know he's counting on them shaking out.
1: The only thing that makes me really, you know, hesitant to, you know, put all my eggs in the apex basket is that Khabib did just leave to go back to train in Russia. And, you know, when we're talking three weeks out, that's a long flight to go from uh, AKA to uh, Russia and then back. So that's the only hesitancy I have. Outside of that, I just don't really know where else people talk to Abu Dhabi. I mean, where's your head at?
0: I was thinking Poland, to be honest with you. The the UFC has held events in Poland in the past. um, Basically, doing like a cursory news search does not appear to be a place that's being greatly affected by coronavirus um, and seems to be a place where the UFC has a good standing. So, I think that Poland might be a viable option. And it's not that far away from Dagestan. So, Mm. I that's my sleeper pick is they they might do this thing in Poland.
1: I like that. I like that. I think uh, Carolina would be a little bit bummed. Maybe she'd jump in there for one last hurrah.
0: I really hope she doesn't man. (laughs) I gosh, I, I, for the sake of her and her future is wanting to be a, you know, cognizant human being and, and coherent later on into the latter half of her life. I hope that she does not. I, I really hope that we've, we've seen the last of her inside the octagon. But yeah, Dana's saying that's going to be a full card. Those that want to fight on it can fight on it. He's expecting if you had a fight booked, he's expecting you to show up on weight. So um, you also have to go to a country where the rest of these guys can get visas too, Right. Um, which makes me believe that it's going to be European mm-hmm. because it'll have a harder or they'll have an easier time getting visas. I don't think it be. I don't see it being a South America location because that's notoriously difficult um, for people to get visas to. So my guess is somewhere in Europe where they don't have to run the risk or the chance of athletic commissions backing out or changing things last minute based upon what we're seeing in the news with the COVID-19.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it somewhat coincides with what Trump just said, uh, was it yesterday or today, that, you know, he hopes that people can go back to work in two weeks, be ready for Easter Sunday. Um, You know, all this kind of, you know, Trump and uh, Dana White are buddies, so maybe there's an insider knowledge that we just don't know about. Everyone goes back to work. We're all hunky-dory. April 18th goes down. My biggest question is, will there be excuses thereafter about, you know, any fighter on the card about a unique training pattern, um, this, you know, quarantining? I'm just worried that there's, you know, no one's going to get the true fair bout. Now, they should be taking it seriously, but the fair bout that's placed in front of them is going to have Excuses riddled without it.
0: I don't necessarily know that it will, though. Um, everybody that's been on the card, uh, and you and I follow just about everybody on the UFC roster on Instagram, and pers- pers- um, that's that's purposeful why we do that, um, so we can sort of keep tail you know tabs on everybody. Uh, everybody that's fighting on this card has not made posts indicating that they felt like this was up in the air. Um, like they, they, they felt that this fight or their fight rather could be in jeopardy. Uh, It, it leads me to believe one of two things, right? One, either they, you know, Dana White told them it's going to happen. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and two, he had everybody sign like a no talk or a gag order about the event, um, saying this is what we're doing. We're either going to pay you all extra money. We're going to pay you whether or not you make, you know, all you, if, at a minimum, you can make weight. We're going to pay you something, right? Right. There's always these discretionary and locker room bonuses that nobody knows about, and all these right. things or whatever. I would I wouldn't be shocked if it was one of those things where Dana White, you know, or Sean Shelby or Mick Maynard or some of the one of these guys went and said, "Look, we're going to give you X amount of money more, but you have to sign this and you can't talk about what we're doing right now." Right. I think it's one of those two one of those two things
1: makes a lot of sense um gosh when you when you said the whole gag order thing it reminded me i think the funniest thing of this whole uh quarantining process and social distancing is i was under the impression that this was the moment that fighters that were already vocal were going to be extremely vocal they were going to create much more drama there's just not much to do there's a lot to talk about and speaking of gag orders Dan Lambert just placed one at ATT. And yeah. I'm going to read real quick what his statement was because it's pretty interesting. And as you know, Dan Lambert and ATT, they've had to quarantine the whole Colby Covington with uh, you know Jorge Masval and all that stuff. This is his most recent statement that just came out. He, wrote, or he said, it's gotten personal and I think that it's wrong. I think I've made a mistake. I think I should have nipped it in the bud. It's gotten to the point where it's trickled down, where it affects the coaches, it affects training partners, it affects vibes at the gym, and as a result, we've adjusted and come up with a new policy. The new policy is, unless you have a bout agreement to fight someone, in which case there's obviously needs to be some promotion, there's a gag order on talking about people at the gym. If that's something a fighter chooses they need to do, then they have to go train somewhere else. So, kind of silence to everyone for a minute, until... Jorge Masvidal decided to open up on Instagram. He comes back and says, via his Twitter, fuck Colby, the most fragile, sensitive guy in UFC history. Can't kick me out because this rule was only for fighters, not crotch sniffers They get their jaw broken by other crotch sniffers at American Top Team. We all know that dude is no fighter. So, you know, we've seen Joanna come out and state that she thinks that Colby should be removed. There's obviously bad blood between... You know former roommates in horny Masval and colby covington What do you think happens to this team especially with three fighters that are vying for title shots and or big money fights coming
2: up?
0: I think you run into this when you have a team that becomes a franchise the way american top team is Um, Like we have an att gym here where i'm at So, I mean there's att gyms nationwide And they're all, I mean, they're, they're a fighter mill, you know, you go and you, you develop your skills. And if you can work your way up to regional or, you know, promotions or the big show or whatever the case may be. But if you look at a a facility, the size of the one that exists in Florida, I mean, there's 30% of the rosters in the UFC. And, you know, I, I mean, you've been in a gym before I've been in a gym before there's a lot of type a personalities um in there there's also some b personalities but there's also a lot of b's pretending they're a's and when you have that there's always conflicting styles there's always guys that are sparring too hard guys that are rolling too hard things always carry over and get personal because you know what at the end of the day it boils down to i've got to look out for me there's only i'm the only one going into the cage the octagon the 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 ring, whatever, the the pit, wherever it is that you're fighting. So you're in there and you're all close to weight and you're all working with each other. Inevitably, things are going to get personal. And you know as well as I do, just because you're working with someone or you have to be in close proximity with someone does not mean that you have to like them. It just means that you have to relatively get along. But as you get people that make more money those niceties and those rules that you have to play by or had to play by previously, they don't necessarily apply all that much anymore. That's why you see like a person that you work with. that was always like really cool and wanted to hang out and would talk crap about the bosses. They get promoted. And then all of a sudden they're not that person anymore because <laughs> now they've got money. Now they've yeah. got a different set of responsibilities. They're in a different circle. So guys like Colby, guys like Jorge, women like Yoana, uh, Dustin Poirier, these other guys that are in that gym, they're in there, they're putting in work, they're grinding, and they're keeping their mouth shut. But then once they start making money, then they start talking. If you look at the people that are talking out of and it's all the people that, at least on paper, those from an outside perspective like you and I, it would appear that they've made their money or they're making their money. So if you're going to talk, now's the time to do it. It's never the dude that's there, been there for 15 months and he's grinding, waiting to get his first fight realistically that shouldn't be the person talking smack and okay, it probably right. isn't and the ones that do are probably asked to leave or they get the shit kicked out of them by a world champ and then they leave on their own
1: yeah i think the only unique dynamic in this whole thing is they're all within the same weight class and that's the problem that 170 pound division which is literally stuffed at the top in some way shape or form they have to fight each other um you know you can create a route or create a moat around this whole issue the whole time. But inevitably it's going to happen. So the question is, when is it going to happen and who is it going to happen against?
0: Well, I, I honestly, for, for all intents and purposes, as much as I love Dustin Poirier, he should, he should keep his nose out of it. Um, Which I think it seems Colby's, like he has,
1: he, I mean, he, he has, made yeah, yeah
0: he, they made amends, but I mean, he was in the thick of it there for a little bit. Uh, I think Colby's a bad matchup for him. Um, Jorge versus him at 155 would be a good fight. I don't like it for him at 170. I think Masvidal is a different beast at 170, but I like him at... I like... uh, I would like to see that fight at 155, but those two don't seem to have any problem with each other whatsoever. It appears to be... If you're looking at the variable in all this, like if it's a mathematical equation, Colby is the variable in all things. So realistically, if you're Dan Lambert, if you're American Top Team as a whole, if it takes a survivor-style situation... Where they have to cut out, you know, or vote somebody off the island, Colby's going to find himself on the outs. He didn't make American Top Team. It existed before him. It'll exist long after him. He's 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 isolate. He's social distancing in the wrong way.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I know that again, we don't have any uh, fights to talk about this upcoming weekend. But, you know, we have obviously fight speculations. Um, I know that we have uh, variable odds that are starting to come out, you know, as we inch closer and closer to UFC 249. I guess uh, looking towards this next week, what can you kind of anticipate or what are you kind of I mean, what would you like to kind of tell people like, hey, this is this is kind of the route we're taking. This is where we're going to start to make our money and this is what we have to kind of plan and prepare for.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, one of the things that we need to look at with this is that Vegas has the opportunity to have some of these lines wrong. As things readjust and things come back to a level, especially once the, the location's announced, a location thing is going to play a big factor. Um, I, I'm really big on uh, foreign fighters traveling to fo- other foreign countries uh, that outside the United States to fight. Um, particularly, I don't like South American fighters fighting uh over Eastern Europe, Russia, things of that nature—it's too big of a time jump for them. And from a dietary standpoint, things get really dicey. Mm. We see a lot of—we see a lot of people that show up. Their weight looks bad. Their hydration's wrong. Everything looks weird with them during that. So that's that's something that I like to I like to pay attention to. But the biggest thing is that Vegas has the opportunity to get some of these these lines wrong as they re-release them. When we're doing that, or when you're looking for that or scouring your book for it, you want to make sure that it was a play that you were already going to play with first, or it's too something that's too good to pass up. Um, I will be looking for things that were we had planned as a play before, and then transferring that over. So I'm really anxious to see what some of the fight lines are as they come out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, someone asked me an interesting question. I'd like to pose the question to you as well a lot of times especially you know we were in an eight week you know solid ufc fight cards back to back to back and a lot of guys get into this same repetitiveness of utilizing the same type of bets whether that's an inside the distance you know goes the distance play uh you know they're a parlay guy you know what would you kind of tell people that um do you want to create some type of variability within within your plays or do you want to keep it fairly consistent you know win loss what would you kind of say to someone that's going to restart their season once we do get back on track? Well, I think the
0: inside the distance plays can be interesting if you know the fighter's propensity for finishing, right? Um, and then you look at the, the length of the rounds, um, and then you you, you, f- you try to factor in how those styles come up against each other. Wrestler striker matchups are really tend to, you tend to avoid an inside the distance play for those um, because if a wrestler ends up imposing his his skill set, he's not going to get the striker out of there. You know, he's going to grind him out. So if, if it's a wrestler-striker striker matchup and you feel like the wrestler has a better chance of winning, playing it inside the distance is a bad play. Um, the flip side of that is if it's wrestler-striker and the striker is considerably better and the wrestler has a questionable gas tank, then obviously you would play the opposite of that. But it's one of those things, man, where parlays are good. If you if you're confident in in your plays in in terms of you know these are my high unit probability plays that I'm going to go after, um, what you don't want to do is parlay pickems, right? Because you can fall in love with that parlay line where you start throwing three, four, five fights together, and some of them are pick'ems and some of them are heavy favorites or an underdog in there, and all of a sudden. You switch it and go, oh, if I pick Jeremy Stevens instead of Calvin Cater, now I'm getting 15 to 1 on my money as opposed to 7 to 1 on my money. And you can get lured into this idea of a big win. You're better off just taking you know, three or four fights, even if it's not on the same event, that you feel highly confident in and parlay those together. Um, so you know, if you look at like just main events over the next couple months, what we're going to see... If you see something like, you know, a Khabib at minus three hundred, uh, Anthony Smith is almost a three to one favorite over Glover Teixeira, and then Jack Hermanson coming back and fighting Chris Weidman at middleweight. If you look at a, if you look at something like that, and you throw that together, that three to three point eight return on your money, that's not bad. So yeah. you look at that and you say, okay, this is more conservative, right? And you could throw. You know, let's say you you play with $100 units, throw, throw three units on it, right? And then you're talking about, you know, you're, you're, I mean, you're, you're talking about almost three to one return on your money. It's, it's yeah. awesome. It's legit, um, yeah. So that's my advice when it comes to parlays. Be conservative. If you pick heavier favorites, be heavier favorites that you're confident in and don't get lured by the idea of underdogs or making that one variable switch in order to get yourself paid more.
1: Yeah, uh, you know the layman's version of that if it's a women's fight just bet the over
0: If it's a women's fight over <laughs> under on rounds always bet the over on rounds in a women's fight. Yeah, right <laughs> Yeah, I, if you look at women's fights as a whole they go to the dist they go distance about eight I think it's like 83% of the time uh, Women's fight goes the distance. So a safe play Uh, 9 times out of 10 or rather 8.3 times out of 10 uh, Would be to play the distance in a women's fight So you could literally go through a woman's card Or go through a card and pick all the women's all the women fights and pick them to go the distance And in theory if you do that over the course of 10 women's fights on various events, you should come out well on top Uh, I will say this on fights like Amanda Nunes fights I would probably avoid that because she has a propensity to finish. Um, But on the flip side of that, you have fights like um, Jessica Andrade, Rose, Nama, Eunice, where I would probably play the over. I imagine that's going to come in at three and a half. Mm -hmm. And I would play the over on that because Rose is not going to finish Andrade unless it's by by submission. So she's going to point out pointer. Uh, and Andrage, like this goes back to the stress, the the wrestler striker matchup that we just talked about. Yeah. Do you feel like Andrage is going to win, pick Andrage in the over. Right. Do you feel like Rose is going to win. How's Rose going to win? Most likely form of victory is submission mm-hmm. or decision. So pick mm-hmm. Rose in the
1: over.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So. You know, it's funny. I know we don't want to really dive into UFC 249 because we don't know how that card is going to formulate, but I was just looking at this one matchup and I can't kind of wait to chat about it. Islam Makachev and Alexander Hernandez. Now, that's a tough one to pick.
0: It can be, but I I say this right with the with the Islam Makachev thing is that it depends on it depends on which Alex Hernandez shows up. Um, Mm -hmm. The House on Fire, Alex Hernandez, would do very poorly against Islam Makhachev because Makhachev has shown himself to be a lot more calculated inside the octagon than Alex Hernandez is. Um, so if Alexander Hernandez comes out and he's a house on fire, uh, I I feel like Makhachev can weather that storm. I don't think that Hernandez is going to catch Makhachev off guard like he did um, Benil Dariush. I right. don't think we'll see that same mistake. Um, I think it'd be more akin to what we saw with like the cowboy fight where You know, uh, he he weathered the storm and he survived and then he got the finish. Even if you look at uh, Alexander Hernandez versus Olivier Aubon Mercier, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: um, you know, uh, OAM, he was able to weather the storm. He he ultimately lost the fight, but he weathered the storm and made it ugly later on. And it was it, it turned into a gross fight. Where, you know, Hernandez got the nod, but it was still, he turned it into a gross fight. Um, so I think Mokachev would be smart to weather the storm. And I think Hernandez, you know, is going to have to be a little bit more calculated. I, I, I think he, I don't think he should go for the finish is what I'm circling at here. I think he should try to get a decision over Mokachev. I think he has the skill set to do it. Mix in striking, mix in the wrestling. He's going to be the physically stronger guy. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't think he should fight for takedowns too long. If he, if if it, you know, if he gets to the clinch and he's not going to get the single leg or he's not going to drag him down, engage back out of the clinch and go with the stand up. If you can yeah. get the takedown, get it. I don't think he should stay any one place too long.
1: Yeah, no, I think your house on fire uh, metaphor was a good, good one because that's totally what we saw in the cowboy fight. I mean, this was a guy that you know there was animosity and he moved forward the problem is islam makachev is in no way the same type of striker that you know cowboy is so he's not gonna be able to capitalize but if he does weather that storm moves around alex hernandez can easily gas out we've seen it before so the question is how can he alleviate that pressure move around the ring weather the storm like you said and then start to get some groundwork in and then it's pretty much game over from there but if alex can actually be calculated within his footwork and move around i mean the dude has great takedown defense he he can definitely make make it whether it's standing or on the ground. It's just a matter of like how forceful he is in those in those transitions,
0: yeah, yeah, I, it's an interesting fight. Um if I'm not mistaken, Makachev's like, what a two to one favorite on that?
1: Yeah,. yeah, yeah. And it's two getting to, heavier. yeah, too. two to
0: one, three to one. yeah. I, so, and again, we'll see where we'll see where the fight lands at, you know, um which again, with a guy especially with a guy like Islam Makachev, who's had visa issues in the past i i'll I'll be anxious to see where this goes
1: yeah absolutely um i was looking looking at a little bit of the prelims too uriah hall um here's uh jacare yeah interesting interesting um you know at what point do you see the you know the uriah hall that we've always said the performance just um He was a guy that we always looked at and he was supposed to be like a phenom like that's what he was and we you know we saw it on the ultimate fighter and this was the guy that we had a lot of belief in we had a lot of chips in jacaray was always having his heyday but then you know we've seen the recent decline changing weight classes um the question is who's what type of jacaray is going to show up but then also uriah hall i always feel like he's the flip of a coin it's hard to you know if he's a favorite i mean that guy could be a dog at the end of the day
0: yeah, I like I like your your eye haul in this fight actually. Um, Jacare moved up to 205. He took a lot of punishment in his fight at 205, and he's coming back down to a guy that seems to, and I I dare say this, a guy that finally seems confident with where he's at, finally feels comfortable in his own skin. Seems to maybe prime time may in fact be entering his prime. We shall see, um, but I think. Jacquet has taken a little too much damage. That that move up to 205 was not good for him. He's coming back down to 185, and he's taking on a guy like Uriah Hall, who is as dy- dynamic as they come. And if you look at striking, and uh, stances and things of that nature, Ray presents a lot of the same issues that Gegard Musasi presented um, in terms of walking forward, a very relaxed, slow speed. Low pace style, clinch, drag, get you to the ground, try to, do, you know, Gegard does a lot of those things. Um, and Uriah Hall, you know, a lot of people say it was lucky, but Uriah Hall spinning kicked Musasi into the shadow realm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like Uriah Hall in this fight, actually. A plus 125. Um, when the dust settles, like I said, we'll keep an eye on the lines, but I, I like Uriah Hall in this fight, man.
1: Um, speaking of sending people into the shadow realms, you know, the one person that does that a lot, Justin Gaethje. And I think there's been, you know, various prop bets, you know, future bets, I guess would be the better term for that future bets on whether the Conor McGregor fight's going to come to play. Um, you know, prior to COVID-19, uh, we had heard that maybe Conor was going to have his weight ready to go in case You know, Tony uh, or Khabib succumbed to Teremisu. Tony broke his leg on a power cord, whatever it may be. Obviously, doesn't look like he's getting close to cutting at all. There was a video of him imploring uh, all of Ireland, Ireland, to stay indoors and practice social distancing. The dude looks super beefy. Doesn't you know? While he has had videos of him training in his home gym. I don't think that he's preparing for any type of fight, you know, as of right now. Um, we are looking at Justin Gaethje though. Do you think that this is all just, you know, mythical, this isn't going to happen or is this the fight to make, you know, no matter what?
0: Well, I think him versus Gaethje is definitely going to be something that we see. Um, and Gaethje put a little bit of keen insight out there late earlier today, uh, to paraphrase what he was saying is that, you know, obviously him and Khabib are. uh, Managed by the same dude. They're both managed by Ali and it appears to be from a team perspective, right from a from a team perspective What is it dominance? MMA their idea is is that if Connor wants to get to Khabib again, they're going to make him go through Justin so uh, You know, they're essentially holding that that shot for Connor hostage and making him go through the gauntlet to get back which is fine if that's the way it needs to be done because realistically, that's the way it should be to begin with. Connor should not just be gifted another shot, um, but yeah, that's 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 something that you know I I feel is a smart management move.
1: <laughs> I hate saying the word smart and Ollie in the same sentence, but I will say he definitely has everyone he manages uh, vying for the same option. So the quote you were obviously referring to was Justin saying he he's referring to Conor McGregor. Picks who he fights. He knows that if he fights me and beats me, nobody, Khabib, Ali, whomever can say much about him deserving of a title shot. But until then, he ain't going to get it. So the question is, is he going to, you know, take this or just kind of on the premise of, hey, we might do 2.1 million, you know, pay-per-view buys or greater. That's enough of a pedestal for me to get the Khabib fight, regardless of what happens.
0: There we go. Sorry. Um, no, I, th- I think that uh, I think that you're right uh, in, in in some regards to that. I mean, there definitely is a selling point there. However, I think what we're going to see is is that Khabib's not motivated by money. He's motivated by legacy. So you've got that to deal with. Where, where does the legacy come into play?
1: Yeah, so I think uh, that's a big deal. Um, the legacy for sure. Uh, but I think at this you know stage of the game, Um, Connor is someone that he has never, ever – said no to a fight. Conor's never said no to a fight. He's always taken the fight. Now, Justin Gaethje has come at him from a very perpendicular angle. And I think Conor, as much as you, you know, love him, hate him, you know, think he's a menace to society, whatever it is, the stuff that Justin has put out there thinking that it would be the correct rhetoric for him to actually get a title shot, I think has actually worked against him. He's utilized really demeaning, derogatory language towards Conor. And I think is like, dude, who are you? to actually even try and step on my toes. You're nothing compared to me. The only reason that you're relevant in this conversation is based on the number next to your name. But what you've built, what you've done for the sport, who you've beaten, is in no way, shape, or form the pedestal that you deserve, or the platform that you deserve.
0: Yeah, maybe to an extent. Um, I, I will say this, though. This idea that Connor fights anybody, anytime, anywhere is nonsense. Um, I know that. The, well, I think. I mean, the narrative is that Conor has never told us no for a fight, but he doesn't have to if you let the guy fight who he wants to fight. That's um, so that's really it with that. Like what Dana White is saying inherently is not wrong, but there's like all good promoters there's an air of bullcrap behind it, and that that air of bullcrap is that you offer Conor the fights that he wants,
2: mm-hmm. right
0: and He takes them, and then you can say, well, he's never told us no for a fight. Well, you're only offering him the things that he wants. You know, you'll remember infamously for the Nate Diaz fight, they offered a couple different people to him because that was a late notice fight. Right. And he chose Nate Diaz. And they called Nate, and he was, what? remember what he said, he was on the beach drinking margaritas, taking shots of tequila. And he got the call. Like, that was, and he got the call because that's who Connor said he wanted to fight, not because you know they they said hey we're going to give you Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz wasn't even in the picture because he was on the beach slamming shots at tequila. So that's <laughs> there's there's a there's an air of bullcrap to that. But I'm with you.
1: There is on the flip side though. Now let's talk about Chad Mendez for a second. Sure. So Chad Mendez was one that was a short short notice fight. Mm-hmm. He was a danger in that division at that time. Um, very conflicting style too, Connor, uh, uh-huh. heavy wrestler, you know, that fight, we know how that played out, even though Connor, you know, won the fight, it was a bloody battle and Chad definitely had his, his moments.
0: Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I think Chad's undoing in that fight, obviously not to diminish the power of, of, of Connor in his shots, but I think that what we saw was, More a gassing of Chad Mendez. Chad Mendez taking the fight on 17 days notice. uh, Being in relative shape because he goes to the gym every day, but not being in fight shape. Um, And then choosing to do a weight cut so that way he'd be eligible to win the belt. Um, So being in good shape, not fight shape. Weight cut while not being in fight camp kind of deal like you alluded to last week with that gradual tapering. And then he faded. Where Connor, the entire time, was in camp, essentially a twelve-week camp to, compared to a guy on an eighteen-day camp. Um, but I, I went with Mendez in that fight prior to that because I thought, well, you know, he's a wrestler at heart, so his cardio is going to be significantly better than, Car- than Connor's. Um, you know, he's got big show experience. He's got enough power to get it done. He's got, and for the first two rounds, that appeared to be the case. I was like, oh, this is great. But then what we see now is like the famous Chad Mendez thing is that once he starts getting hurt, it's like his, his life force just leaves his body, man. Like we saw it with the Alexander Volkanovsky fight. Yeah. It's just the moment he gets hurt. It just, everything shuts down. He mentally checks out. The cardio goes, the technique goes and everything goes down. And it was, he, two, two plus rounds of him beating up Connor. And then Connor tagged him a couple times with the left hand. And he was like, Oh, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm out. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. That's not to detract from Connor's performance, but I feel like maybe that fight might have ended differently had it been full camps for both guys. Um, You know, Connor does a lot of things great. Obviously, space, timing, power—he's unparalleled in his weight. You know, at one forty-five and one fifty-five in that in that arena. But you know, if you look at a guy like Justin Gaethje, Gaethje was World Series of Fighting when that was a thing. He was World Series of Fighting champ. Um, he came over to the UFC to great fanfare. Granted, he did lose to two guys that Connor has both knocked out, like you said last week. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the bite down on the mouthpiece and go, you're going to have to kill me to get me out of here mentality, I think that's something that we haven't seen in other people that Connor's faced.
2: Right. Um,
0: I think Dustin Poirier has a little bit of that grit now, but when they fought, he didn't have that grit. Um, Max Holloway obviously has that grit. They just didn't fight long enough. That was a fight that went to decision. It went, when Connor was finishing everybody, that fight went to decision. Right. Um, so if Connor struggles with guys with, with grit, guys that aren't going to fold despite being hurt, and and that I think that's a lot of the reason why Nate Diaz was so competitive against him is because Nate Diaz you got to separate him from consciousness. Yeah, y- you have to. So I think that that's something that that, that Connor is going to have to deal with. I know he thinks that Justin Gaethje may not be deserving of the fight, like you said. But regardless, the number is by his name, and they're gonna. Mm-hmm. It, it appears that Ali and Khabib and and Justin sitting you know, as this triune atop of the lightweight division they're. they're this is the one time where it looks like Dana White's getting bullied a little bit.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. You know, it's, if anything, I think it's a huge, huge blessing for Justin to have this time off. Um, I think that when you have, like you said, that kind of killer be killed mentality and you try and go out on your shield and you bite down on your mouthpiece and you just move forward the amount of, you know, Trauma that he's taken, you know, people can make fun all day of like his CTE-esque antics and how he conducts himself and slurring a speech. This break that he's getting, whether he's going to get a Connor fight or he's just going to get leapfrogged, is probably the best thing for his career, uh, longevity-wise.
0: Yeah, he definitely needs to come out and approach this fight with Conor the way he did with the cowboy fight, where he actually utilized his head, mm-hmm. or head movement, rather, executed some leg kicks and took a more movement-based approach. If you look at like the way he fought Barboza or the way he fought Eddie Alvarez or the way he fought Poirier or Michael Johnson, where he just wades out in the middle, puts his head down and swings and he wants you to hit him with your best shot Mm -hmm. so he can see if he can take it. And then, once he does, he's like, "Okay, now i now i now I've got the hard part out of the way. I don't yeah. have to worry about this because I've already felt it. I know what's going on. Yeah, um, and we're good to go. The problem is with a guy like Connor, you can't go out there and take his left hand just to see if you can take it and then <laughs> yeah. choose to fight. Right. Um, you're going to have to go out there and engage. You're going to have to make it a dog fight, um, which is what Connor's praying that he doesn't do. Uh, but it's exactly what Gaethje needs to do. And I, you're right. The time away um, is good for him. However, my concern with a guy like Justin Gaethje is, you know, he's never going to take a Robbie Lawler approach and stop sparring. Like, right. you know, today, right. today, probably right now, because there's a three-hour <laughs> difference, yeah. Justin Gaethje has headgear on, and he is – somebody's Swinging cracking him with yeah. Yeah. He's pro- yeah, He's probably sparring with a heavyweight right now. <laughs>
1: So see, uh, speaking of our uh, Barbosa's leg kicks and Connor's left, uh, you put up some pretty good polls. Um, people wanted to know or we wanted to know. Uh, what would you actually prefer to take or what um, would, what would you say more comfortably take was either the yeah. Connor left or the Barbosa leg kick? I
0: would and take it was it.
1: crazy, overwhelming. People said I'd rather take a Connor left.
0: Yes. yes. <laughs> Yes, I do not want Barboza kicking me in the leg, man. I don't know if you've ever eaten a, a solid leg kick. They're <laughs> horrible. And then if you eat one from a guy like Edson Barboza, I can't even imagine, at least with a Connor left, depending on where he hits you and how. And listen, a 79-year-old man took a Connor left, and he he finished his glass <laughs> of whiskey. So I will gladly drink my Jameson, take my Connor left, and keep it moving. Uh, but if, if Barboza kicks you in the leg, somebody's going to have to carry you home. <laughs>
1: Other fun polls we had up there, we had, and I thought this was really interesting, but who is Joe Rogan's best sidekick? Is it John Anik, or is it Mike Goldberg? Goldberg. Yeah. Yeah. And surprisingly, it was fairly lateral, and I'm shocked by
2: that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So watching the, you know, what got me thinking about it was we were watching all the older fights, they were running through them, and they were all Mike Goldberg calls. Um, And I... I've gotten so comfortable. I was a big critic of Anik when he first came out. I thought he talked endlessly. As a person that talks a lot, I thought John Anik spoke a lot. And I was like, dude, shut up. Slow down. Let somebody else get a word in. And uh, yeah, man, he's really grown on me. Because now I listen to Goldberg talk. And I'm like, this guy, I can kind of see why they didn't keep him on after they acquired him. Somebody, Somebody was ahead of their time and thought, no, no, no. We're going in a different direction. We got to let this guy go.
1: Yeah, I think uh, it just kind of caters to two different fan bases. Now, both of those, you know, color commentators or whatever you want to call them, or progress the conversation, what's going on in the octagon. John Annick is a little bit more towards, or he is a little bit further away from what the casual fan is. Mike Goldberg, through and through, was catering to the casual fan. Yes. His, the way that his. You know, his terminology, his antics. Uh, I mean, I mean, I could say three right now, That it was just like uh, my wife, who barely watches UFC, would know exactly what's going on if you just played pure audio of Mike Goldberg versus if yeah. you were to do that with John Anik. You know, you could you know pick and choose, but Mike Goldberg, layman's terms till the day you die
0: yeah i mean and you listen to him at bellator he's still doing the same thing um which is fine listen there's nothing wrong with that approach uh the just bleed commentary if you will (laughs) is amazing i love it um and if you want a a mix between the two i think michael schiavello is a great um (laughs) because the voice himself is like a mix between Mm -hmm. john annick and mike goldberg i love schiavello um I wish you could read my eulogy if I end up dying before he does. You can make sure that's written in my will somewhere. Um, yeah, I'll make sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I thought it was interesting. And the more I listened to guy, I would listen to fights where Goldberg was calling, the more I was like, kind of turning the volume down to just watch the fight. Because he's getting on sure. my nerves. So you want to be a fighter?
2: You know, yeah. it is all over.
0: <laughs> oh, nice slip and rip, Joe. And I'm like, dude, I don't, I'm just, I was over it. I was over it. Anik, <laughs> Anik has won me over, man. One of the, my votes oh, on, on the Anik side. Yeah,
1: that's why I was shocked. It was so lateral. Yeah. Um, outside of that, we kind of capped the polls off with one that you and I got very heated about uh, yesterday on our Instagram live, and I want to pose it again. I was uh, I didn't want to put the poll up yet because I wanted the masses to hear. Wait a
0: sec. Before you get into oh. this. Before you get into this. Okay. What did you vote? Would you rather take a John Jones eye poke? Or have to talk to Amanda Nunes for an hour on the phone.
1: Uh, For sure, for sure. (laughs) Well, no, what we should have done is the Amanda Nunes and you have to get uh, relevant information out of her in a certain period of time. The amount of stress that that would cause me. Dude, dude, yeah. (laughs) So
0: it should have been John Jones' eye poke. Or have Amanda Nunes give you directions to a house <laughs> yes. you've never been to over the phone.
1: Yeah, while you're driving in a car and there's like one exit on a freeway every twenty miles.
0: <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. I, I should have I should have thought that one through more. Yeah. yeah I take if, most people, people would like to sure. <laughs> Yeah, most people pick the eye poke. That was just hilarious that nobody wants to talk to Amanda Nunez. All right. So go ahead and hit me with your go ahead and hit me with your, your poll.
1: <laughs> so the most controversial one, obviously, was when we do- we dove into what's your quarantine-type candy? What's your favorite? True. A broad array of answers. Um, all very delicious, if I may say yes. so myself. Yes. From Reese's Pieces to Reese's Peanut Butter Cups to Snickers. You know, some people said, fuck the candy. I just need a shot of Jaeger. Yeah. Uh, it-, it got pretty crazy. But you, sir, uh, inserted yourself and, you know, made the masses— uh, Known that your favorite candy is, I'm not even going to say it because it was disgusting, but your favorite candy was a peppermint patty?
0: It's not my favorite candy. I think Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the best candy on the planet Earth. However, I believe that York Peppermint Patties peppermint are, and a, York peppermint patties and Junior Mints are some of the greatest candies known to mankind. I stand by this especially when it comes to movie candies. Junior mints it gets no better.
1: Okay. So you're making fun of my tie, my half Windsor that I had here. I will tell you this. I would tie this tie in middle school and I would eat like 3 of those peppermint patties as a breath mint because that's what that candy is. It you're is delicious. a breath mint. You're no, delicious. it's a breath mint. It's it's literally I'll say it again. It is literally it's like going to a house on trick or treat and they are on a Halloween and they're giving out al, uh, Altoids. They're saying, "Hey, Happy Halloween!" That's what you get. Yeah, or you know, the over. Here's a good bet for you: over/under on the people that have the peppermint patties, just you know, in that glass jar, you know, in their living room. I'd put the number at seventy-five. I probably, I'd probably play the over. Maybe, but I
0: don't. (laughs) I don't live in a house where there's just candy readily available. It's not. That's not how I grew up. You know, (laughs) I, I, I don't. I don't know. You Know, we're not all we, we don't all ball out and we don't have decorative candy, so I don't know. I don't know about this decorative candy thing you're talking about. As a
1: former fat kid, that's what life was about, dude. Right? Arms right. distance, there's always a peppermint patty, right? Or, I'm sorry, not a peppermint, a Snickers bar,
0: right? Um, <laughs> no, so I look, man, I, I look at it like this I think dark chocolate and mint is a great combination. I like milk, the junior mints are a little bit tougher because it's like a milk chocolate and mint, but dark chocolate. Like dark cocoa and mint is hard to beat.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, we will put up a poll and we will see if anyone thinks that this is a true candy or it is a breath mint. The good thing is um, as we get closer and closer to fights, we can start to put together what our menus are going to be. It's always fun to have fight night with your friends. Make sure you got everything, whether it's booze or food or candy. Um, but besides that, you know, Dale and I, as we get closer and closer, as lines start to change, as we've seen like crazy, just not knowing what's going to happen with this card, we're excited to help pull together for you guys. What's going to be a really good betting program for these upcoming cards. I know we're all in a waiting period here, but in this time of waiting is obviously a time of great preparation. And That's something we're all about right now.
0: Yeah, no, I would agree. I mean, preparation is key. Um, and one of the things that you have to deal with. When preparing, especially when it comes to getting the food, uh, you know you can obviously save quite a bit of money by going to stayclassymeats.com and using our promo code, which is FIST, and you can save 10% uh, on everything when you do that. But yeah, I mean preparation is key, and like I said, it's going to be one of those things where the upcoming weeks, you're absolutely right, we're gonna we're gonna put together a fantastic card for UFC 249 for everybody. But it's gonna, you know, keep an eye on a book or on your book. And if it's one of those things where you see a line that you're un- you're unsure of, um, you got to let <laughs> <laughs> it's freaking dog, man. Um, if you see a line that you, you know, you feel like you want to jump all over, message us, shoot us a DM on Instagram real quick. And, you know, happy to help out anybody that sees something crazy or wonky, because I'm telling you the mistakes will be out there. They mm-hmm. will be out there.
1: Yeah. So. And if you take advantage of our plays, hopefully one day you can live in a world where you can own a pint-sized dog and stroll around in a carriage like Dale does.
0: Yes, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Although we don't have a carriage, uh, but she is absolutely pint-sized, and she whines nonstop. This was a unique uh, addition to our family. Uh, she is not the most um, congenial creature that we've ever <laughs> uh, introduced to our house. So, as you as as you can hear,
1: yeah. The, uh, I've already had enough. So, yeah, on that note,
0: yeah, I'm with you. Um, But I will say this you got plenty of time if you're sitting in quarantine, if you're doing uh, self-practicing, social distancing, uh, doing self-isolation. Now's a good time to take care of yourself more than anything else. Uh, And the mail hasn't stopped delivering yet. So, if you go to manscaped.com, use our promo code, (laughs) if you use our promo code, which is PUNCH, you can save 20% off your entire order and get free shipping. But, yeah. You got plenty of time. You're just sitting in the house. You're spending plenty of time in the bathroom anyway. Um, go ahead and get you know get yourself a lawnmower 3.0, and you know trim that thing up a little bit, man. At least if you're going to come out of the apocalypse, at least come out not looking like a caveman. Trim that, trim that bad boy up.
1: Yeah, for sure. We talked about this, like guys. This is the moments you know get your workouts in. You know while you can't bet on sports, bet on your health. But hey, bet on your health also means you know bet on your looks. So you got to look good. Shave it down wear a crown
0: right yeah i mean look I mean, we, we can't manscape can't do anything for your face but it can it can help you out with the rest so if your face is if your face is funked up we can't do anything about that but you can at least make the rest of your body look good so take care of yourself eat well and uh trim the pubes man
1: uh, last sign-off uh, for all those listening. Make sure to check us out on all our social channels, Punchlist MMA. Um, we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We keep our polls up. And then, like Dale said, make sure to message us if you have any questions about you know, upcoming bets or just strategies in general or just like really, really basic hey, a- entry to uh, Gambling 101 and um, all things mixed martial arts. We're here for you. Uh, thanks, guys, and uh, cheers to you, Dale.
0: Yeah, man. Cheers, buddy.